For women, the big thing that gets put on them is that you're either a virgin or a whore. You're a slut or you're a good girl. Like, there's not really this happy medium place for women to exist as voracious sexual beings. And yet, in, inside of myself, I felt there was an injustice there. You're listening to the Almost 30 Podcast, a lifestyle podcast hosted by Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsek. Tune in for a new episode every Tuesday to hear our honest conversations about topics like wellness, entrepreneurship, spirituality, and self-development with guests who are really smart, really inspirational, and really fucking funny. (laughs) It's real, it's raw, and it's unfiltered. Inspired by our transition from our 20s to our 30s, we realized it's so much more than that. Our mission is to provide you with the tools, guidance, and motivation to help you navigate any transitions in your life and propel your personal growth. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Almost 30 Podcast. Here we go. What's up, honey? Hey, girl. What's something that happens that makes you just totally forget like what's going on in the world? Like... I feel like whenever I see an opportunity to send an invoice, I <laughs> literally cannot do anything until I send out that bugging invoice, baby. Feels we just got an email like an right invoice. in between this. And I was like, I need to send that invoice right now. You are the invoice queen. I love it. I love sending invoices so much. <laughs> Pay me my money. <laughs> Remember that little girl at the Will Ferrell thing? The, the landlord? Give me my money. Yes. Yeah, what like, was you, her name? Pearl. 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 He's like, you owe me money. <laughs> he's like, I don't. He's like, I gave you money last month. <laughs> yeah, he's like, She's yeah. like, give me my money. Give me my <laughs> money. He's like, you're scaring me. <laughs> yeah, he's like, you're scaring me, Pearl. <laughs> and isn't it his daughter? No. Or it's like his friend's daughter? I think it's his friend's daughter or something. Yeah. Like so funny. So funny. I don't think he has kids, but... Um... Who, Will Ferrell? I don't think so. Are you sure? You want to make a bet? Yeah, actually. What should we bet? 400 bucks. Yeah, I'll invoice the shit out of you. Literally. Will Ferrell (laughs) kids actually probably does have kids. Damn it. Three kids. Oh, invoice you times three. (laughs) Their names are Magnus, Axel, and Matthias. It's almost like a joke because I feel like that's like what his character in Talladega Nights would name his kids. Yeah. My son, Axel. Axel, Magnus, and Matisse. (laughs) They're all boys. Damn, I bet that house is fucking crazy. (laughs) I want, I think I want, I want a boy first. I want whatever God's going to bless me with having. I mean, I want a boy first. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it's us. It's about 85 degrees. Hey guys, my... it's us. Guess what's happening with Ooh, me? We're uh, we're on opposite sides of West Los we're Angeles. We're on opposite <laughs> sides of LA. This is too real. Guess what, guys? Exciting news. Justice and I are ring shopping. And I want, I'll have everyone know that this is because of me. I decide when I want to look for rings. I decide when I want to get married. And it's a joint decision. It's not just the man picking my ring. It's not just the man deciding when he wants to get married. We'll do it when I'm ready. I know. I'm trying to think like what I would want to do. Obviously, I want to be ready and I'll I'll say that. But in terms of like picking the ring, see, I'll be pissed if it's not what I want, but I also want... Yeah, I guess. 
Like what? I also like, have a gay best friend who could totally do a like a mission and make sure it's good. I know. But the thing is, is I sent like, if you would have asked me two years ago, uh, like my friends maybe would have a different ring than I got today. So that's the thing is I don't know. I know. There's different styles that are in and out all the time. Like, you know, I don't want to talk about any rings in particular, but there's some styles that happen that aren't in anymore. And, you know, you've got to wear that thing. Yeah. So I'm just going to get a big old fat rock because I deserve it. And I've been (laughs) dating this one for five years. (laughs) And you have the most beautiful hands. So true. It's one of my many beautiful things. Yeah. I just feel like a ring's going to look great on that finger. Can't wait to see it. Yeah, it sucks though because my hands are pretty big though. So it's like you got to have a big diamond. Oh, sucks. I know. Well, I mean, if I had a little finger, I could have a littler diamond, you know? And it looks bigger. No, I know. Yeah, that's the kind of thing I talk about too, where I'm like, I need a tall boyfriend. Like people are like, I want a boy who's tall. I'm like, how tall are you? <laughs> yeah, literally. Like they're like five one. You're like, no. Okay, so tall so you to you is five, five seven. Six. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> sure. He can be five seven because that's tall to you. <laughs> yeah, I've I've let go of the height thing, even though in my oh, yeah. heart of hearts I want six two. But I've let go of it. So saying it out loud, I've let go of it. But six two. Justin calls us the bigs. He says, meet the bigs. (laughs) We're big people. He says, we're big people. (laughs) You guys fit. You're beautiful. We Um, are beautiful. Speaking of couples and couples who have sex. Yes. Yes. Speaking of boinking. <laughs> we have on the podcast today one of the most free spirits we've talked to in a yeah, while. And it was just was so enlightening. Mm-hmm. Like I loved her energy Me from too. the fucking get-go. Kim Anami is on the podcast today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was really nice to have a woman in the sexual health and wellness space just kind of like go deep with us in talking about the importance of sexuality to figuring out who you are to creativity, to connecting with your soul. I mean, sex is so much more than just the physical. And I really loved how she touched on that and explained why it's so important. Yeah. She talks a lot about how sex can help you to explore your spirituality as well. And how, I mean, even by the time she was 22, she was like already practicing Tantra, studying Taoist philosophy and like gypsying all over the world, just kind of finding herself through, you know, knowing her body, knowing her sexuality and, and in a way that was like an evolved way of, Mm -hmm. of being intimate with people at 22, you're doing Tantra and you're like, Mm -hmm. like, it's not like what I was doing. I was, I was fucking (laughs) bunny. I was bunny humping and like allowing men to be terrible. I was like letting men have sex with me and crying. <laughs> oh God. Separate <laughs> podcast. I know. Sorry, guys. It's true. Not at all. No, it's true. It's true. I didn't Well, it's want, crazy. You I just kind like of that. you think you have to be a certain way. And this was just a really like empowering conversation where like, you know, no matter where you are in like your journey to know yourself as a sexual being, as a spiritual being, like you can kind of begin. Um, so our conversation is really fun and dynamic. And she uh, also explains how she lifted a 10-pound weight with her vagina. Yep. 
<laughs> the importance of strength vagina to having tons of orgasms. Yeah, she says she can have oh, like yeah. multiple, multiple, And then we multiple, break multiple, down multiple. like the types of orgasms. Yeah. Guys, this actually, this was like a great party combo. I brought this to a party and I was like, ladies, do you know about these orgasms? And a lot of my girlies didn't know about the orgasms. Because so many of us are having like clitoral orgasms. Yep. So like on the outside and that's kind of what we depend on or we depend on like a vibrator. And she's like, you know, or I like really recommend or, going you know, like in there. Horseback riding. <laughs> horseback riding. <laughs> She's like, I recommend like going in there, like like exploring the option to have a G spot orgasm, mm-hmm. and um, just to experience an orgasm on a much deeper mm-hmm. level. Um, so this will blow your mind. This will blow your mind. We hope you guys enjoy this conversation with Kim. Thank you so much for subscribing, rating, and reviewing. We're so excited to go on tour with you. Um, check out the website for those dates. Make sure you can buy your tickets there. And if you want to be an Almost 30 ambassador in each of these cities, let us know and you can help us plan the event. You can help us work with sponsors. Um, so we've been working with some of our amazing listeners to plan out these events in each of their cities. So excited to see you on tour. We love you guys. Enjoy this episode. Lady in red, you sound great. Awesome. (laughs) You look so beautiful. I know. Red is your color. I needed this color today. Yeah. That's a good one. You know, I need any color. I never wear any color. Same. I'm always wearing black. I made a commitment to myself about 15 years ago to not wear black anymore Mm, because it's so easy to default to black, right? Like everything usually comes in black and it's just so easy to get the black version. Mm -hmm. So I was like, no more black. Like now, now I wear black occasionally, but Mm -hmm. I honestly didn't for 15 years. Like I I always went for the brightest color Mm -hmm. because in North America, like if you go shopping, Beige, burgundy, Ooh, black, yeah, navy blue. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, I, I talk with you. my hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll just like beige and black. <laughs> <laughs> right off the bat. Um, so I forced myself to always buy the thing like with the most, that had the most bright, beautiful color. Wow. And now I feel like. How I has your life changed doing that? Well, I just, I feel like color is uplifting, right? Yes. And so it's like the color itself becomes this. Mm. mood changer and elevator and and puts you out into the world more than like darker colors. I, I feel like you can kind of hide and shrink. I agree. Yeah. There's something to that. There's something to like, it is. I wear black because I'm just like, I just want to skate on by. I don't want to catch too many eyes, which is fucked up. Oh, I think it's like kind of sleek and sexy. Yeah. And There's gives a me time a little... and a place for black. Like, yeah. I, I agree. I like black at the airport. <laughs> love a good all black at the airport mm-hmm. look. <laughs> I love it. Some motorcycle boots and a leather jacket. There's nothing hotter than like being all black at the airport. Jet setter, baby. Jet setter. You don't know where she's going. Where is that bitch going? <laughs> like those, I'm going to Cincinnati. Are those those Chloe boots? Um, no, honey. <laughs> oh, I wish. They're Chloe knockoffs. <laughs> okay. Well, I got those and then I, they were so uncomfortable. Like that point... I can't wear points like that yeah, anymore. I just I know. can't because I'm used to being barefoot or like tropical sandal totally. footwear. I can't even get my foot in a boot like that anymore. Oh, They're so hot looking. They're but so hot. I can't, I can't even do it. I know what you mean. <laughs> That's well, like, we're not meant to wear shoes like that. Not, you know, like my feet don't do this. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
we're not elves. Yeah. <laughs> well, they have like the pointy <laughs> shoes and then like square toes. And then there's no shoes that are like the shape of our feet. Uh-huh. It's like every toe is occasionally a like a winter boot. Yeah. will be like a little more like almondy shaped. Mm-hmm. And that's what I go. I can't. I but envy you're that flip flops all the time. Pretty much. Right? Yeah. yeah. My feet aren't used to being tortured anymore. Like they might have adapted to torture in years gone past, 100%. but now yeah. they can't deal with it. Oh my gosh. We were just talking about, so talk to us about like, and then we'll go into everything. But mm-hmm. I was so fascinated. You said you followed the sun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the surf. Yeah. So talk to us about like the idea behind that, where you well, live. I, well, I got into surfing more. Uh, deeply over the last few years. I started 20 years ago and then I moved away from the ocean and then it was always like a life goal to get back into it when the time and the place, when it lined up. And so I did and about four years ago now. And then it's just such a nourishing part of my life. Like I'm very much into the idea that nature rejuvenates us and this Mm. is where we can detox in nature. And so being barefoot, having clean air, clean water, being really close to nature, being close to the forest or the jungle or the ocean on your doorstep, and then literally being in the ocean when you're a surfer, to me, it's just so aligning and centering and helps Mm. you to get rid of all of the extra superimposed layers that urban life puts on top of us and helps us to just connect to that true authentic place and really self-realize, like feel that we can just be our true selves. So my lifestyle now reflects that where I'm in all these places. And I also believe in the healing power of sunshine. I don't believe that we're not meant to be in the sun. We are just with doses of it. Mm -hmm. Like we tan gradually, incrementally. We don't go out and burn ourselves. And that level of tanning is is actually good for preventing cancer, not causing it. So I go out every day and have my half hour, 45 minutes of like direct under the noonday sun, vitamin D intake. Mm. Mm. Do you put sunscreen on or no? No, but I just gradually build up like five Mm. minutes. So if I go back to Bali and I'm getting kind of white, then pale, I do five minutes the first day, 10 minutes the next day, 15 minutes the day after that. And then you build up a tan. It's not tanning that causes cancer. It's Mm. burning. Mm. So that's my approach. I love that. I like the nature thing too. I think that's really powerful. I kind of, I want to get more to that because I live by the beach, but I don't really utilize it at all. I walk by it, but I'm walking on my phone. Well, the beach here I find is quite urban. A hundred percent. And the water doesn't look that clean. Like when I'm in Australia, the water is turquoise blue. The sand is silky white and it just feels clean. Like the ocean there feels super regenerative. Like the way we, you know, with negative ions and aura cleansing, the ocean feels like that's what it does there. Mm. Here, I think it still does it. It just doesn't feel as inviting. Or you're, Mm. you know, down in Venice and there's like, oh, you're stepping over homeless people to get down to the beach. It's like, it doesn't have the same kind of, but I think it is. Or if yeah. you just go further down the coast, like down through Santa Monica or down out to Topinga or like mm-hmm. Malibu. And then yeah. Yeah, I think you feel the energy much clearer mm. there. Yeah, I completely agree. Definitely. So I want to talk about, so how you got into like sexuality and like sexual health, like what was your path to bring you to this place where you feel like, or where you are so empowered in such a, for some people, which is like so hard for them to, like communicate or just be into? Well, from a young age, I had experiences with my sexual energy where I felt like sex was this portal into different states of consciousness and into a state of 
beauty in myself. So my earliest sexual experiences, I would come out of them and feel like I was more of who I really am. Mm -hmm. And so that stuck with me. And obviously that's so contrary to what we see in our modern culture where sex is everywhere, but you're really not allowed to have it. And all this taboo and shame surrounds it. And then in my early 20s, I discovered Tantra and Taoist sexual philosophy, which is all about sex as a pathway to enlightenment. Mm -hmm. So it echoed my experiences that sex really was this portal to a higher state of consciousness. So at the same time, I was exploring all these different modalities in terms of healing and alternative wellness, like meditation, spirituality, transpersonal psychology, philosophy, herbal healing, homeopathy. Like my big fascination is how do we change and how do we grow? How do we transform as people and become our most innate, beautiful, realized selves? And for me, sex was always a tool on that journey. So I meditate, I eat well, I exercise, and I have a daily sex routine. Like that's part of my Mm -hmm. wellness kit. And like I said, those philosophies echoed those those teachings. And then over time, all of that stuff I pulled together to do, I now bill myself as a holistic sex and relationship coach, but it was an amalgamation of all these different ideas and philosophies pulled together with sex being at the forefront. Because even in the healing world, you'll see a lot of people talk about relationships and love, but very few people will boldly address sex and even look at it as this powerful healing modality. But that's how I look at it. Now, was this like when you say had sex for the first time, were you always kind of self-aware in that way? Like, I, I feel like, you know, if I'm thinking of my first time or like thinking of my friends' first times that they've shared, I don't, I don't know if there was that self-awareness and that groundedness in that moment. You know, I think a lot of people like lose themselves and I I think like either the ego gets in the way or um, their judgment or shame. Like in what way were you, was your upbringing part of like this shamelessness, you know? Mm I wouldn't say that. I would say that I still was aware of the same kinds of taboos and conditioning Mm. that everybody else is. You know, for women, for example, a big thing that gets put on them is that you're either a virgin or a whore. You're a Mm -hmm. slut or Mm. you're a good girl. Like there's not really this happy medium place for women to exist as voracious sexual beings. Mm. And yet inside of myself, I felt there was an injustice there. Mm. And so I, I just knew there was this truth in myself that things were different than they were appearing to be. So I just held on to that. And then my early sexual experiences reinforced that. Like I felt like I really was able to open myself up and achieve these higher states of consciousness. And so for whatever reason, you know, I'm not exactly sure because I wouldn't say I grew up in this super liberal sexual household. It was more that somehow my intuition Mm. was leading me there and maybe I had enough of my sexual self unscathed and also looked at those prevailing taboos and felt like that's a bunch of bullshit. Like that's really not true. Mm -hmm. Like no, women weren't meant to be punished for being women and have all these things put upon them. Like somebody made that up. Like that's not true. Mm -hmm. So I, I feel like that was just my intuitive grasp on those things. And then the more experiences I had, the more I just went deeper into that place of sex being transcendent. Wow. Can you remember, was it the very first experience that you had that you were like, this could transform me? Or was it like one experience where you were like, okay, this could really 
change my life and help me discover myself in a different way. It would have been maybe the third or fourth time that I had sex. I think, yeah, the first few times it was like, I was like, girl, what is this? Like, what's your first time? Your first time transcended you. No, no, it wasn't the very first time, but it was a few times into it. And I was with someone I really loved and was attracted to. And in that experience, I just remember following this train. Like I felt like I had to open myself up on this level and then follow this train as it was Mm -hmm. going. And then I had a cervical orgasm and that was my first orgasm. And I didn't even know what orgasms really were. I didn't really know much about my body, but I had this complete explosive spiritual oneness opening experience as though I'd taken ecstasy. Like that's Mm. how I often, I hadn't, but that was the kind of, well, I try to describe it to people. And so from that moment, I was like, whoa, you know, this is really amazing. And then it just kept deepening. You know, I'd get into these experiences and really long. Part of it was I had a lover who was really into long periods of intercourse. So rather than the young male who might be echoing 75% of males out there, which is to ejaculate in three minutes, this guy could go for a long time, like hour plus, a couple hours. And so now I can look back and say like the deeper vaginal orgasms for women, G-spot orgasms, cervical orgasms require sustained penetration. And so I think that's part of what helped to bring me there is that I had a lover who was naturally just mm. in that place. He was a bit older than me, so he had more experience and maybe built his stamina, mm-hmm. but still impressive for a young man. Literally. Yeah. And so that really helped to open me. And so I just, like I said, from early on had enough experiences to prove it to myself or mm-hmm. to show me another way through this maze of sexuality. And that's what I've continued to do now for people is try to be a beacon of like, you don't know what you don't know about sex. Because if you were listen to common education that people get around sex, sex will kill you and sex will get you pregnant. So there, go off and have sex. And mm-hmm. so people fumble along trying to figure it out. And then at some point, maybe decide to do some conscious examination in themselves and perhaps get assaulted or traumatized along the way. And then they have to deal with clearing the blockages of these experiences that have happened to them that are overshadowing their natural innate sexual self. Mm. In what ways um, do you help your clients unblock in that way? Um, Because I feel like a lot of people don't realize that they are blocked and don't realize that there's a connection between what might have happened earlier in their life and to the fact that maybe they've never experienced an orgasm or whatever it may be. Yeah, that's a really good question. And my what I start with is that, like, for example, with women, all women, all orgasms. Like, every woman is capable of having deep, life-changing, transcendent cervical orgasms, G-spot orgasms, anal orgasms, nipplegasms. Every man can have sex for hours at a time. Mm. Men can learn how to separate orgasm from ejaculation. All women are naturally voracious. So if somebody isn't getting to those places, then it's some kind of cultural or experience block that has been put upon their natural sexual energy. And then, yes, my job is to try to pick that off of them and get them back in touch with that place. And so like one of the first steps is just telling them that they can, because a lot of people buy into these stories and Mm. a diagnosis. Oh, you have a low libido. Oh, you're just one of those women who can't have an orgasm. Oh, you poor thing. To me, it's really patronizing. Like Mm -hmm. my, like I said, I guarantee that all of these people can achieve all of these things if they do the inner work. 
Wow. Yeah. And it's interesting, like when working, like, do you work with partners, like two people at once? Both. I work with yeah. individuals and, and partners. Like, do you find that, like you said before, like for women, it might take longer, right? And And how do you kind of dance with the fact that the man might need to train himself in a way to last longer for her without hurting his ego and having him get in his head. Like what is the language that you use that maybe our listeners could use in a situation where, you know, they're, they're not, the women are understanding that they need more time, but the men just think that they can't make their partner orgasm. I guess you'd say something like fuck me well, or don't fuck me at all. (laughs) Honey. Ah. I just and figured out night. what I'm putting on my jean jacket. <laughs> Making that custom jean jacket. Fuck me well or don't fuck me at all. <laughs> it's also my Instagram bio Damn as honey. of five minutes. Literally. <laughs> wow, yeah. Well, you can be a little more diplomatic in conversation. And I mean, my Love big it. thing in the Taoist sexual philosophy, they say that sexually speaking, men are like fire. They're quick to ignite and quick to extinguish. Women are like water. They're slow to boil, but they keep on boiling. And so mm. the work for both sexes is to meet somewhere in the middle. The real sexual learning work of the man is to be able to build stamina, to learn how to be able to go for longer, to not just get thrown off by, oh, she's in doggy style. I'm going to come in 30 seconds, mm-hmm. right? That he's got some stability there. And for the woman, she learns how to exist at more of a sexual simmer. So instead of having to go from ice to boiling, she lives at a simmer. She's always perpetually ready. And the, mm. and the couple in a relationship is perpetually ready. So they're doing the work to stay connected emotionally, energetically, sexually, so that they don't have to always go from ice, melting ice, to get up to a boiling place. Like if we go to a zero to 10 analogy, zero is ice and 10 is boiling they're always hovering at a seven or eight. There's always this kind of sexual electricity that's dancing between them. And Mm. so that happens by continually making sure that you're clearing the space between you. So that you're doing your emotional communication, you're staying honest with each other, you're asking for what you want, you're not just stuffing things down. When we Mm. stuff things down, those end up creating walls and those walls show up in bed. So let's say a couple had an argument at breakfast time and they didn't really resolve it and they go to have sex in the evening. Maybe he comes really quickly, maybe she doesn't lubricate properly, but instead of attributing it to the fact that there's some unspoken, unresolved business between them, they just buy into he's coming too quickly, she's not getting wet. She doesn't really have a high libido. You know, instead of the deeper root cause of where this actually came from. Mm. So it's really like doing the communication and the honest work outside of the bedroom and then moving towards the bedroom. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely like important. Yeah. I mean, trust to me, I talk about junk food sex and gourmet sex. Mm -hmm. So junk food sex is just like junk food. You might get a quick hit from it, but it's ultimately going to give you this high and then a drastic plummet. Mm -hmm. And you might just feel like you need to pass out or you want to forget that you indulged in this thing afterward. Mm -hmm. Gourmet sex is multi-layered. So you're emotionally open. You're spiritually connected to this person. You sexually abandon yourself. And then you reach these high, powerful states that I talked about earlier where you actually are the the French term la petite mort, the little death and rebirth. That's what I think orgasms ought to be. They're this deep cleansing, therapeutic, cathartic, rebirthing experience. We can use our orgasms as tools for personal development. Mm. Wow. How would you um, 
for listeners who, I mean, I would assume a lot of women have never experienced an orgasm. And so how would you like kind of lead them to that space to start experiencing anything close to like a cervical orgasm? I think that's really challenging. Yeah, what are the types of, of orgasms too? Well, a basic primer would be, uh, most people have heard of clitoral orgasms. Mm -hmm. And when people refer to orgasms, they're usually, when they just use the word orgasm, they usually mean a clitoral orgasm. Mm -hmm. So clitoral, G-spot, a squirting ejaculation can hit the ceiling with ejaculate kind of orgasm, cervical orgasm, you could have an anal orgasm, a nipplegasm, an energy orgasm. So they're endless, but in terms of like the basic vaginal lot, I what I like to say is that the deeper life-changing orgasms are in the vagina. All the good stuff is in the vagina. Superficial clitoral orgasms, because they're more physical, they're more, like I said, kind of like a junk food experience. Generally, they can still be fun and pleasurable, but the more, the deeper orgasms in the vagina require a woman to be able to emotionally surrender and open her heart, open mm. her vagina, open her full self to mm. her partner. And if she can't get there, she's not going to have those orgasms. And so that's where Western science doesn't really understand, they think that if you apply the same manual technique to 30 people, that you should be able to reproduce those same results. But they're not at all taking into account somebody's history, their connection with themselves, their connection with their partner. All of those factors are the internal work. So I divide it into three layers of surrender or opening. There's how open you are with yourself. Are you comfortable in your own skin? Are you comfortable in your own body that you can open yourself up and you feel confident that you'll be okay? Then there's the level of trust you have with your partner. Do I really trust this person? If I open myself up and leap off into this abyss, will they catch me? Will they hold mm. me? If I fall, will you catch me? And then I'd say there's the whole level of trust you have with the universe. Do you see the universe as a benevolent, loving place? And if you do, then if you've got the first two, you've got yourself and the universe, that's 66% of the equation. And then even if you were to take a chance with your partner and they let you down, you can still pick yourself up because you know you're okay. You know that you can take care of yourself and you know the universe will take care of you. And then ultimately, ideally, your partner is also worthy of that trust. And so when you have these deep experiences of surrender and letting down your guard, you're met. You're loved, you're seen, you're cherished. So when you're naked and vulnerable, we all need a place to let go and a sanctuary where we can just be our full, raw, naked selves. Mm -hmm. And it's such healing medicine to receive that. So the ideal to me, gourmet sex relationship is where you have that. You have that level of openness and trust and honesty and surrender. And that, that becomes a superfood in your life, a super fuel in your life. It then you're operating at this place of it's your secret weapon, your superpowers together. Like you've tapped into this place with each other and harnessed this powerful sexual creative energy and you become even more potent in your day-to-day -day life than you were before you had that. Or if you're in a relationship where you're not able to access those places. Mm. How does this apply? Do you, what are your thoughts on like one night stands and, and you know, when to have sex? Because I'm thinking about how deep this is. And, you know, I don't know how easily someone could get to these layers with someone that they don't know very well. So what are your thoughts? They couldn't. Yeah. And so... Mm. 
what I'm talking about is that is a cultivation of a certain kind of relationship. Yeah. And that's not like I was, you know, in my 20s, had a lot of experimentation, a lot of casual encounters. Like I've been there, done that. So my viewpoint is about what's the best use of my energy and can I use this as a way to boost the rest of my life? And so it's like, I guess the barometric question is, is this encounter giving me energy or draining my energy? And the, the, the what I see is the deepest, most powerful use of our sexual connection. And this is by no means a moral judgment. I have absolutely no moral judgment about anyone's choices. I've made the same choices. You know, like this is about what's the best use of my energy and how can this feed the rest of my Mm -hmm. life? So that's where I'm coming from. And in my view, that's through having this kind of relationship where you can really open and surrender. So if somebody's complaining or or upset that they're not having G-spot orgasms or cervical orgasms, we'll look at the quality of your relationship. If you're in, say, a a sort of fuck buddy relationship. Well, you're not likely to be exposing yourself. Part of the agreement in that relationship is that you actually don't emotionally connect with your partner. You might a little bit, you might have some affection for each other, but you are compartmentalizing, right? You're to do that. You are compartmentalizing. And so the whole point of gourmet sex is to fully open and without reservation, share yourself with your partner. Does that mean like fully open? Does that mean like you are expressing what exactly what you want in sex or in your like saying and doing whatever comes to mind? Or what does that mean? What does like fully open mean? I guess there's many levels of it. Like, yes, definitely expressing what you want in sex. It's expressing how you feel emotionally. It's setting boundaries. If there's a behavior or an energy that you don't like, that you're not just suppressing that. You're Mm. actually communicating that with your partner. And you can learn to do all these things in ways that are really flowing and healthy. And hopefully you have an agreement with your partner that that's a premise of your relationship, that open communication, transparency, radical honesty are agreed that you've made with each other, where some people have agreements of tacit omission, (laughs) meaning Mm -hmm. that don't ask, don't tell, or I'm not going to say this to you because it might hurt your feelings. And so I'm going to hide it from you. So those are two different types of relationships. So the openness then is also being willing to do your inner work. If you know that you've got demons, if you've got unresolved, we all do. We're human. We're on this earth, in my view, to learn and to grow. So we're all given this dose of primal karma to begin this life with, and we have to work our way through it. So we all have issues. My philosophy is that we bring all of those issues into the vessel of the relationship and use it as a catalyst for growth and transformation. Mm. But you can only do that if you're willing to open yourself up emotionally, spiritually. You're willing to take a chance and take a risk of exposing yourself. And yes, you might get hurt, but it's the only way that you'll actually grow either as well. Are there things that you can do in the bedroom as sort of like like dipping your toes into like experiencing the next level of your relationship, both on a sexual level and an emotional level? Do you kind of have any, whether it's a conversation or an exercise or something like that? A couple of amazing things that are that seem quite simple, but very few people do them, would be looking at your partner's eyes during sex. Mm. Like how often do you just maintain eye contact through the majority of your sexual encounter? That gets you really present. That really opens you and connects you to each other. It allows this additional layer of energy to flow between you. And breathing. Most people, when they're approaching orgasm or at the edge of orgasm, they breathe really shallow. <laughs> 
or they tighten up their, mm. you know, they hold the breath and that just shuts off all this energy flow. So a big principle in tantric and Taoist philosophy is that we want to take this vital, powerful sexual energy and recirculate it throughout our entire system. And the best way to do that is through breathing. And so I coach people to maintain like a good yogic breath, like a good four count inhale, four count exhale breath as much as possible throughout the sexual encounter. Mm. And also, yes, like outside of the bedroom is doing that work of staying, as I said, in that emotional open communication place with your partner. And sometimes I even have people schedule what I call connecting dates. Like if you're in your day-to-day life, if you're finding that there's a buildup of issues and you don't seem to have the time to deal with that, then I would actually in the past have had clients schedule these dates. So like three times a week, they sit down for half an hour and they connect and they're not allowed to talk about work or children or chores or social things. It's just about them. So it's about the temperature of their relationship. It's about dreams and visions they have in the relationship. It's about, is there any unfinished business that we haven't discussed that's lingering in the ethers and we want to bring it into the space and acknowledge it and Mm. clear it. Love that. Are there things that um, men and women can do on their own, like when they're not with each other, that could strengthen both, you know, literally down to the physical, whether it's like the woman's vagina um, or like the man's stamina, and then also up to that emotional level? Yes. So women can practice, say, vaginal weightlifting with a yoni egg practice. So that's an amazing tool for women to reconnect energetically to the vagina, to wake up a numb vagina. Most women have numb vaginas, both through this internalization of sexual oppression, repression in our culture, and because they don't exercise them. People are not Mm. taught to properly exercise their genitalia. And so they go numb. It's just like if you didn't use your right arm for 30 years, it wouldn't work very well. Right? So you actually have to rehabilitate most vaginas. And a lot of women think that they don't enjoy sex because they don't feel very much in their vaginas and they don't feel very much because they're numb. So when I teach people how to use a jade egg, how to practice what I call vaginal kung fu, then they reactivate their vagina. They wake it up. It becomes more sentient, more pleasure is experienced. There's more circulation. There's more blood and hormonal flow. And then they feel more and then they orgasm more easily. Their libido suddenly goes up because they can feel feel when they're actually having Mm. sex. They can experience it on a much more sensitive level. For men, and and I think for both sexes, self-exploration, self-pleasuring, know thyself, get to know your own body, spend time, not not necessarily just to get yourself off and to bust one out to orgasm, but touching yourself, exploring your vagina, exploring your breasts, like what feels good to me, just laying down and taking 30 minutes, 45 minutes of sexual vaginal reconnaissance to see how you like, how you touch yourself. And then with the male, it would be learning how to build stamina. So he can spend time self-pleasuring and practicing breathing. There's your techniques that I, sh- that I teach in my courses. And I have a bunch of free videos on my site that also show how to do that. But basic breathing techniques to prolong stamina. And then if the, either of them have any kind of, let's say, trauma in the past, like let's say somebody had issues of sexual abuse in their history, then taking active steps to heal that. Those things don't just go away. And then they create things like growths in the reproductive organ. They create difficult periods. They create low libidos. They can create erectile issues. All of those things come from somewhere. My view as a holistic practitioner is that everything that shows up in the body is a product of an emotional or psychological 
biological issue somewhere in our system. Mm. They don't just happen to us as random coincidences. They are a product of our energetic reality. And so if we go and do that deeper work, where did this come from? What are my beliefs? What are my experiences? What needs to be healed or cleared within myself? Then those issues resolve themselves. For when guides are practicing, you know, if he was to work on his stamina and for women on um, exploring herself, do you recommend toys and porn or what are your thoughts on stuff like that? For guys, I suggest that they don't use porn, that they wean themselves, or not even wean, just cold turkey themselves off of porn because they build up a certain kind of energetic pattern. And usually it's very lust-based. And again, it's not a judgment so much as like, what's the best use of my energy and what's the kind of energy that I want to cultivate? So I would coach men to... Fantasy is even better than porn, but even fantasy can lead them down certain trails. Mm. They could just be reliving porn images from from what they're watching. And so as much as possible, learn how to breathe, tune into your body. If you have a current partner, you can fantasize about your partner. And then for… Women toys. Women toys, yes. So… I don't recommend vibrators for clitoral orgasms because it's really easy to become dependent on this supercharged, Mm. 100 times more powerful than a tongue or a finger on the clitoris. So only if a woman has never had a clitoral orgasm would I suggest using a vibrator just to experience it, just to find, oh, that's how I can get there. And then she can take that information and use it with her fingers or her partner cat. And... For internal stimulation, absolutely. Like uh, dildos for sure. I actually make a line of dildos that are designed specifically for these internal orgasms, for G-spot orgasms and for cervical orgasms. It's called the Holy Trinity. It's a set of three dildos where you use the first one like for a G-spot opening and release. And then you use dildo number two, which is a longer one to really penetrate and hit the cervix. Mm -hmm. And then the third one we call the finisher, which is like a thick, girthy beast of a thing that really takes women over the edge. Okay. (laughs) Damn. And you use all three in a- At one time. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Because, yeah, three dicks galore. (laughs) So, but you could use either any one of them individually, but my idea was that it takes a while to really open up the vagina and it takes different points of stimulation. There's a whole reflexology map in the vagina. And so all of these spots correspond to different areas. The G spot corresponds to the kidneys in Chinese Mm. medicine which is the area of trust and openness. The cervix corresponds to the heart. And Mm. so for a woman to really open in the cervix, she needs to feel a heart connection with the partner or with her dildo and herself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, yeah, the whole point was to really gradually open up that vagina. And that's the thing. Most people rush through sex. They rush through intercourse. And Mm. so they just never get to that deep, rich terrain, both physically and spiritually, energetically, emotionally, because they just don't put in the time. And that's because they don't know what they don't know. They might've bought into this myth that, oh, only some women can have G-spot orgasms. And, oh, I guess I might be one of those women. And so I've worked with women and I say, no, I guarantee that you can have a G-spot orgasm. We'll have to teach you the tools and how to get there. And then some women don't even need that. They just needed the permission and they go home that very night and they have their first G-spot orgasm Mm. because someone said to them, no, 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 you can't. 
And before that, maybe they tried for five minutes, 10 minutes, their partner tried and they both gave up because they were like, oh, we're not getting there. Or they didn't know the surrender piece that they were just manually moving two fingers and doing this come hither motion, but had no idea that if the temperature, the surrender, the openness between them wasn't happening, the orgasm wouldn't happen. Can you, this is a weird question, because I don't know if I would know the difference between a, a cervical orgasm and a G-spot orgas- orgasm. So like, do you, I guess, depending on like the penis, like shape, like would that hit the G-spot and like- You gotta if, have the hook dick? Yeah, like yes. it, yeah if they yeah. don't, then it has to be fingers? Exactly. Yes, okay. you hit it on the nail or a dildo that's that's curved. curved. So the okay. curve so it has to be curved up and around. Exactly. Like a candy cane. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, or maybe not, not as an quite extreme as curve. As but, but, but she's got the right it's idea. Like hooking You're someone like off stage. In a hole. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. okay. Yeah. Well, you've got the right idea. It does need to be a dramatic curve. Or yes, one of those wow. fabled G-spot cocks that have that. I've never curve. seen one. I've literally I, never I have seen, seen them. Um, and then Should I Google it. G spot cocks. I don't think I, that's my term. It's definitely. This is why on we need Google. a producer to Google G spot cock, <laughs> and they would project onto the wall. Okay, Literally. so so most if you're feeling if you have an orgasm mm. from penetration, not clitor- like no, that's not even no. very G spotty. No, I think it's like yeah, it's a curve. It's a lovely. Yeah, curve. I've seen one. Because when I've experienced that, like a cervical orgasm, yeah, yeah, yeah. like <laughs> we're all looking at a curve. I'm, I'm looking for an actual cock dick. right now. Can you do an I don't actual see a real dick? one? <laughs> no, no. I'll do it later. I'm oh. taken. <laughs> <laughs> so the cervical orgasm. Can you like coach us through kind mm-hmm. of how? Like, is there something that needs to be done? Like. <laughs> Kegel wise, like kind of that squeeze, like mm-hmm. I know it's the um, like opening up too. I've I've like felt that before, and it's that surrender absolutely is a part of it. But physically, are there things that we can be doing in the moment that would enhance that cervical orgasm or that G spot orgasm? Mm-hmm. I'd say both could use good warming up. So before mm. you dive into the G spot or to the cervix, you spend a lot of time with foreplay. You spend a lot, you could spend time stimulating the clitoris or just manually stimulating the vagina. Mm. And then once the woman is aroused, then you go for those areas. So you go for the G spot and you start gentle and then you can work your way up in intensity. Right. So when G-spot orgasms happen, women often feel the need to pee. They feel like they're going to pee. And so when they do, they usually contract because they don't want to pee on their partner. Mm, And so instead, (laughs) (laughs) it's like my thing. (laughs) So they need to actually relax and push out and bear down. So let that happen. And that's often, it will either be an ejaculation, so a squirting experience, or the G-spot orgasm will happen. So that's part of it. So it's warming up that area. Like a lot of women need to have massage and they hold, we hold tension in the vaginas. And so that's partly what this jade egg practice helps to do is to release Mm. that tension and to open those areas up. So as as much as women can have, and I don't really use to like these terms, like 
like a loose vagina or a tight vagina because they're not really accurate. But sometimes women actually do. They clench too tight. They're frozen mm. up. Mm. And some women are the opposite where they're just not engaged. They're dissociated with the vagina. So it feels like it's really loose. Mm. And then once you strengthen those muscles, you're able to have that awareness and then you're able to grip. Mm. Like the vagina ought to be able to function like a hand where you can put something in the hand and the hand is passive or the hand can grip. It can grip and hold and move. So that's mm. what it's meant to be able to do. So the G-spot then is usually sustained penetration in that area. And then the woman allowing her vagina to open and even bear down. And then if she needs to, she feels like she has is to Is it pee or is it? It's ejaculate. But, oh. It's ejaculate. It's ejaculate or sometimes she won't actually squirt anything out. It'll just be the G-spot orgasm. But in either case, you just okay. go with the feeling. It, and if you feel self-conscious or nervous about it, and if you're like really trying to get to a G-spot orgasm, then put some towels down. Mm -hmm. Put a whole bunch of towels on the bed so that you don't feel self-conscious, you know, even a little bit that might cause you to stop in the middle of the process. Can every woman do Sounds that? Hot. I guarantee a hundred percent that every single woman can. She just needs the right tool. So the right direction and also this huge percentage of opening. Like that's probably 70% of the deal is how much she's really opening and surrendering. Mm. You could have impeccable technique. And if she's not willing to let go and relax, she won't get there. Mm. So how could we, with the vagina, how could you wake up a numb vagina? The jade egg, yoni mm -hmm. eggs are an excellent tool. Like the way I teach jade egg practice isn't just a physical, a series of physical exercises. It's about energetically reconnecting to the vagina, to these parts of your body, using guided visualizations to inhabit mm -hmm. this part of our anatomy that most of us have become dissociated from. And not overriding the vagina, so listening to the vagina. So when your vagina is wet, it wants to have sex. When your vagina is not wet, it's not ready to have sex. Yeah, because we've we've had on, um, we, we were talking about like hormone health and it's, you know, with a healthy, pretty balanced um, hormones within your cycle, there are times in your cycle that you're not going to be that wet. If you're really turned on, you're yeah. wet. Okay. So I differ with that. I believe These that I am the cause- yeah, absolutely. <laughs> One of the best times to have no, sex is period tell me sex. more. Yeah. Oh, it doesn't Should. feel like like a like like the normal like lube to me. Not lube lube, but your natural lubricant. Like blood feels a little more like a water. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Why is it the best time? Because well, we're jumping all over the no, place. No, it's okay. Here, this is like, what we do. The, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Welcome um, to almost Sorry, <laughs> you say period sex. I'm going to ask about it. Because, yeah. <laughs> um, well, in ancient traditions, before we have this sort of patriarchal view that periods are bad and dirty and we need to punish women and segregate them for having periods, women were segregated, but that's because it was considered to be a door opening between worlds. This is when this cosmic door, the uterus, the cervix would open up and the woman would be basically in this shamanistic state and accessing higher states and different mm. dimensions in of, you know, of existence. Whoa. And so women were kind of set aside to be able to channel that energy, not because they were like bad and dirty. That's total made up bullshit. They were so fucking powerful that they would blow the temple apart. Not that they were like bad juju for the temple. It wasn't that at all. So what culture is that? 
you find it in almost every culture. Like if you go far back enough, like in Native American culture, First Nations culture, usually indigenous cultures, that's where you find that. African cultures, like Indian cultures, if you go back far enough before this other belief system was superimposed upon our history. So it becomes this super powerful time of energetic opening. So when you're you're in this altered state of consciousness and most women don't tune into that because they override their periods. Like I got my fucking period again. Like, uh, you know, they're trying to kind of suppress this experience where in these other cultures and in different times, women were given time to sit and, and, and just allow that channel to open up. And to Mm. access this higher wisdom and information. So I usually encourage people to take, if they can, a day or two, the first two days of their period and not do very much. You know, if you you have to go to work, then come home after work and just be with yourself. You know, Mm. instead of going out to party, you're going out for dinner, like actually try to insulate yourself a Mm. little bit to tune into these energies. So you're in this very, very powerful opening and sharing that with a partner is like this cosmic high. It's so incredible. I have had some of the best sex of my life, like my top five sexual experiences, I'd say were probably four out of five of them were on during menstruation. Really? Wow. I love that. We're five out of five in Bali. (laughs) (laughs) One may have been in Bali. Yeah, sex like in Bali? Yeah, literally. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, that's so interesting to kind of flip it and to think of that time as, as a time to yeah. cha- to channel. I'm into that. Yeah, into that. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> and I think it's when women don't respect that sense. Of, and it's not to say, look, you know, if you want to go run a marathon, go run a marathon. But over the years of really tuning in and observing it, I found that that was a time when I then started to like, for the first two days, I wouldn't go out. I wouldn't even answer the phone. I would just stay. And obviously I've been self-employed for many years, so I can do that. But for people who say aren't, like I said, try to just spend more time. And I even encourage male partners or whoever, female partners, other partners to look after the person. So like, instead of the person who's menstruating, cooking and cleaning for that, at least the first three days, they don't. The other person takes over the menial jobs and tasks around the home. Mm. So as much as possible, they can have this. It's kind of like a spirit quest. Like in First Nations cultures, men would use sweat lodges to get these vision quests. And women didn't have to because they menstruated. That's how they looked at it. Wow. Cool. Damn. (laughs) Next period, I'm about to beckon. Yeah, legit. <laughs> so for same-sex couples, if they wanted to have like a G-spot or clit or a cervical orgasm, would they need to use toys or what would they, could they use their hands? They could use their hands two for the G-spot. Yes, about. Yeah. yeah. So two fingers is the optimum manual stimulation for the G-spot or a curved dildo, mm-hmm. a curved t- toy. And then for the cervix, it's difficult to properly pleasure the cervix, I'd say just with the hands or fingers. So you'd probably want a good size. The kind of cervical dildos I tend to recommend are the kind that you look at it and you feel a little bit scared. You're like, can I really take that? And that's what you need. And that's why you need to warm up the vagina, as I was saying earlier. So you're not just going to start with like, with the finisher, you're going to build your way up to that, whether it's through hands or other dildo stimulation, and then bring in, you know, the, the big one at the end. So it's got substantial length and it's got substantial girth. You don't want it to be uncomfortable, but it's definitely that sense of being really filled and expanded is part of what brings on a cervical orgasm. Do you recommend 
I, I, I haven't used a dildo actually like with either. a partner, uh, like once before by myself, but I, I really haven't. But I'm curious about this. Like with a partner though, a male partner, do you find that there's like, they feel insecure? Like how could you introduce it without them feeling like their dick isn't good enough? Some guys love dildos and they love cock. A lot of, there's a lot of sexual, Wait. bisexual, okay. how do you call it? What's the word? Orally or cock? He's like, now me, now me. <laughs> like bends over. A lot of men like cock more than they're willing to admit. So having- What does that mean? Well, they might have a little bit of bisexual fantasy or interest or yeah. curiosity. Mm-hmm. And so they may not be as, as afraid of cock as they like to make out that they are. Huh. And so- so getting them to a place where they feel really safe and comfortable. Not that that means that they have to be bisexual to like having a dildo in the bed, but I found that more and more, these people, when they feel really open and safe, they'll let these these things tend to emerge out of them. So in a hmm. safe space where you're talking yeah. about your deepest desires, that tends to, I've seen it come out a lot. So apart from that though, um, the dildo doesn't have to mean that you're that they're inferior in any way. A lot of men feel very aroused watching their woman get pleasured no matter what. They might have a little moment of like, hmm, that cock's bigger than mine and look how excited mm-hmm. she was. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, if you have a satisfying sex life, it doesn't really matter. It's just yeah. a tool that's part of your repertoire. Mm. Three yeah, sounds. It's like three different penises. It's like, yeah, babe, your penis isn't like hooked properly, <laughs> you know, like I'm going to use well, that. Well, yeah, it's true. And just acknowledging that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's just a, it, that like we're blushing because it's an interesting conversation mm-hmm. to have with your partner. And it, but I, I think it would just make the everyday even, not just your, your life in the bedroom, the everyday just more fun and dynamic and exciting because these like layers are being peeled back. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. there's such a separation between what happens in the bedroom and the day to day, Mm -hmm. which I think is what a lot of, what is holding a lot of couples back from experiencing these like mind blowing sexual like experiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. And the more that you can really, well, as you cultivate this trust and openness Mm. with your partner, so you can share these deepest desires, you can share your curiosities and things that you'd like to explore without fear of judgment, then it's very healing. As I said, that sense of really being seen for who we truly are, the things that we might judge in ourselves, our fantasies, our ideas about things, our Mm. secret desires that we're afraid. Like for example, the male G-spot is located up the ass, right? The prostate Mm -hmm. gland in men, that's the male G-spot. So God decided to play this joke and really test men and put the G-spot up their ass. So they'd have to confront any potential homophobia in their lives Mm -hmm. and get used to it. And so men... Most men love getting something up their ass. And if they don't, it's only because they're blocked or they're afraid that that means they're gay or whatever. But from a physical standpoint, that's a pleasure spot for them. Hmm. So would you, would you, would it have to be a dick, dick up their ass? (laughs) 
<laughs> if you like. I mean, but fingers. you can shove fingers anything else. Like fingers or a dildo. Fingers are totally acceptable. A finger will do the job quite nicely. You can, can you go in with up? a finger. Yes, okay. absolutely. That's where I, I say with tons lube of lube with up the ass. Anal, right? Don't lube up the vagina, but totally lube, lube up, up the, the ass. ass. Take all that lubricant and put it in a better put place. Put it, in shove it up your ass. Okay. Yeah. Can so you just finger, surprise him and just be like, <laughs> you can <laughs> yeah. if you've got him really excited. Like yours, let's say you're, you're sucking his cock and he's mm-hmm. like super into it. You still, you got to get a lubed finger or like all the saliva coming out of your mouth and then you just can push it up there. I mean, some guys are so close to it. Like if they squeeze your finger, like you think it's going to break off. Then <laughs> it's, and that can happen. That has happened. Then you you just, okay, not right now, yeah. right? You might take it and like for another time and slowly, slowly, slowly build up to it. If somebody's, you know, so excited that you'll kind of distract them. So they're enjoying the blowjob so much that you put a finger up their butt and then they just barely, it just sort of throws them over the edge. And then they have this crazy orgasm. This like orgasm accelerator is, is the prostate. Wow. I feel like I would need to have a little bit of a conversation before, just in case. Before you there's anally an rape accident. your boyfriend. Yeah, literally. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, right. I, 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 Pull out the I don't worry about it because like I don't shove give, it in his ass. I don't care. <laughs> she's like, I don't care if I butt rape him. She's like, close your eyes, and she yeah. pulls out the finisher. It's like twelve inches. <laughs> but you know, like yeah, I guess the conversation. Well, most okay from this technical standpoint, most times that's not. It's an empty cavity, and having a finger up there isn't really oh, going to do very much. This is the information I need to know. Okay, and so some people <laughs> might have things lingering in there and then yes it would take but like look anytime you're introducing anal play into situ in the situation it's kind of a fact of life like at some point totally there's gonna be something shit's gonna happen and Mm -hmm. so if you're really worried about it you can have towels and whatever close by just but usually unless you're shoving something really large up there it's usually inconsequential if it happens at all okay usually it doesn't. Like I'd say 98% of the time, that's not something to worry about. If you're really jamming stuff up there and you've got, and obviously then you would have a pre-conversation about it, then you probably would clean the area out before you play. Okay. And for women, you said we could have a an anal orgasm. How? Yes. Is it like just the, yeah, tell me. Well, in the same sense, it's very similar to the cervix. It's this very deep, transcendent, like vulnerable place in yourself. And so being stimulated there requires a lot of trust. And you really have to open yourself up physically and emotionally and be prepared for that. Mm. So it's very cathartic to have it. It's very much like the cervical orgasm, the same kind of quality to it. And I wouldn't say there's a specific technique apart from just going very, very slow with lots of lube and building your way up. Like you start with a finger and then two fingers and then three finger. Not that you need to have that many, but if you're really enjoying it and you're craving more, then you can build it up to that place. But even a finger can help bring somebody there. Again, it's like an orgasm accelerator as well. Even if it's not this full-blown full, incredible orgasm, it'll add this layer of, well, I feel like the ass is the storehouse of our shit, right? We have this phrase, like this person's a tight ass, right? Like they're waddling around, like they've got to stick up their ass. Like all these phrases come from somewhere that this is a place where we store a lot of suppressed stuff. And so stimulating the ass helps to open us up and release some of that stuff that we put down in ourselves. Mm. Wow. Never thought that about butt. The butt. The butt, butt. Yeah. The butt, butt. I mean, anytime, like, I feel like 
you get close to it, it's like clench. You're like, Ooh. yeah. Because it like tickles or it's like, oh, I don't want to like poop on you. I don't, um, don't want to like <laughs> fart or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So yeah, I think it's a practice and a conversation. Like, I think the conversation is the main thing. Yeah. Like, I'm curious about this. Let's like, let's kind of have the the flow and the tools for it, like if necessary, meaning the lube. And, you know, if you feel like, oh, I would feel more comfortable if I did like an enema or whatever it is before, then do that. And then just, I think that would help people become more relaxed and open. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's a conscious opening. So as you're being stimulated there or the person's probing you say with their finger and they're going very carefully and tenderly and slowly, then you have to consciously open open, open as it's mm. happening, right? You can't just, t- you can't tighten. You have to make sure you're not tightening up, right. right? You have to consciously allow that to happen. And that conscious opening is very powerful for mm. you as the recipient. Whenever you're opening on that level, it's like these reverberations throughout your whole system where you feel that's the beauty of these areas, the G-spot, the cervix, the anus that you have to open consciously to receive this touch. Yeah. How much do you, the quality of your orgasms or your ability to have multiple, how much do you think it's attributed to the strength of your vagina? That's a, well, strength is one part of it. Mm -hmm. And the other part of it is your awareness and your Mm -hmm. connection to your vagina. Mm -hmm. Because if you're feeling dissociated from your vagina, you're not going to get there because you're not really inhabiting that space, right? It's like if you do if you haven't done any ab exercises for a while and you start to do ab exercises regularly, your stomach gets flatter, you feel your abs, you feel your core and you start to walk and move in a different way. Mm, Yeah. You know, it's similar to that. So suddenly your vagina is responding in a different way because it's stronger, it's more aware, it's more articulate. I've been doing Kegels this whole conversation. (laughs) Getting Um, my pussy ready. Is there different parts of the body that you could stimulate to enhance what's happening in your vagina or for a man, what's happening with his erection, like places that you wouldn't normally expect? I'd say that's all experimentation. Mm. That's part of your exploration on somebody's body is understanding that it's not just the genitals. Mm -hmm. Like let's take the breast, for example. Most people really focus on the female breast, the nipple, and they don't stimulate or play with the whole breast. Mm. So you could spend 10, 15 minutes massaging the whole body of the breast and then also spend time with the nipple, but people often ignore that. Or even with a woman's vulva, the labia, the inner labia, the outer labia, most people just trot on by and head straight inside or you know, graze the clitoris and then head inside. So there's all the inner thighs, like the stomach, the mons, all kinds of amazing pressure points in the inner thigh area that you can really release stuck energy and that becomes very, very arousing. So I guess definitely moving from the genitals outward, right? So like not just right there, focused, centered there, but spreading out like inches, 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 and then any part of the body, you know? Mm. What about threesomes? What about them? What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on them? <laughs> well, in terms of what, like, if like a couple wanted to bring an additional person in, 
It depends where their relationship is at. Like if they have a more superficial relationship, it's probably an easier thing to do to bring somebody in because you're not that invested in what's happening there. If you are really, really, really close to your partner, it's also probably an easier thing to do because you are open in communication with each other. You, you're going to be very clear about what's okay, what you want, what you don't want. But if you're somewhere in the middle, that's probably mm. when it can be the most destructive mm. is when you're not fully open in communicating and you're not as you are invested, but not like totally, totally open. That's when it can be implosive. Totally. What are your thoughts on being like inebriated or on some sort of drug, whether natural or not? I can guess your answer, but what are your thoughts on whether it's the effects of it, whether it kind of like can harm you, your sexual health, or whether it could maybe enhance at times if it's a natural? Right. Well, there's different extremes. Like I had a client years ago who she had been violently raped in her early 20s twice, Mm. and she really hadn't done any therapy around it. She had just been carrying this around with her. And she was 40 when she came to see me. And every single time she had sex, she had to be drunk. Mm. And she didn't put it together that that was connected. She just, that was just what had to happen for her to have sex. And so we worked on clearing that trauma and shifted that for her. So that's, you know, one extreme. And then I guess the other part of that is I think that such a key part of this gourmet sex experience is, as I said, this sense of self-honesty and honesty with the other. And I kind of feel like using a substance, you know, people like to drink, to feel more relaxed, to feel more open. I feel like that's cheating. Like I would want to see people do the legitimate work to open themselves. Like it takes guts. It takes courage to open yourself. And it's not a judgment. I mean, maybe a little bit, but it's more like, to me, my journey has been about doing the hard internal work. Like I stopped using alcohol and other substances about like almost 30 years ago. So that's, Mm. I found that I could get high in other ways and I wanted to do it all naturally. I wanted to do the internal work that broke me into a different state of consciousness rather than getting that from a substance. And so especially when people are dealing with issues in their relationships, my advice, and, and this is, again, like people can take what they like and do the rat and leave the rest, but is to do it the hard way, like do it the legitimate way. Because if you work with your partner and you have a really hard conversation and it feels really hard in the moment, but you actually break through, you've earned that. You've just become a different Mm. person because you did the hard work of having that conversation. If you take a substance and it seems to open you up and you feel like you get to this place with your partner, it's not the same thing because you didn't actually come by it. You didn't earn it. You didn't work for it. That's my view of how we get to these places is that there's a way of doing authentic work and there's a way of relying on other things outside of ourselves. And people might have different interpretations of things that enhance them in a mild way or a major way, but my my own path and the, what I typically would recommend for the people who work with me is to do it au naturel. Mm. Totally. This is my last question. How has um, your path in your sexuality like worked with your um, relationship with your body and your body image, like how you feel about your body? Well, when I was younger, so let's say in my 20s, I had 
different like struggled at sometimes with relationship with my body. I was always athletic as a younger person. And then I just wasn't, didn't do that much physically in my twenties. And so I had a bit of a belly or, you know, and then, but not, it wasn't a terrible relationship. I was like, oh, I just want a better belly. (laughs) And then I got pregnant and had my child and I somehow fell in love with my belly because he was in my belly. It became this thing of beauty. But then, you know, over in that, say the rest of my twenties, I think I kind of went up and down with that relationship with my body. Once I transcended this sexual barrier, like when I feel like I really stepped into my sexual power and my sexual energy, my weight hit this set point. Because I think there's a connection between the Mm. things that we quote unquote fill a void with, right? Like if we're emotionally eating or like craving some kind of intimacy and that's a substitute for legitimate intimacy, the true connection with yourself and with another person. So from that point on, like I'd say about my early 30s, my weight's just been an effortless, stable thing that I don't even think about. Like I eat well, I have a holistic vegan diet, I exercise regularly. So that's just part of my lifestyle choices. But it's never, I don't ever think about what I'm eating because it's, well, I think about it in the sense of choosing, making healthy choices. There's a lot of food I wouldn't put into my body, but I don't think about it in terms of how will this affect my weight? Because my weight seems to be stable. And I feel like there's a huge connection between sexual energy and weight for people. I had a client years ago and she was always struggling to lose these last 15 pounds. And she had a diet, a dietitian, like a nutritionist. She had a trainer. She was working out. She had a spiritual practice and nothing. Like it just didn't seem to budge. And so she started working with me and we talked about this whole idea of sexuality and sexual energy and these different avenues into it. And she came in to see me and she like lifted her top up and she's wearing this gorgeous lace bra. And she's like, look at my belly. And she just lost 15 pounds, like pretty much out of the blue, just dropped off of her. She didn't change her diet or her exercise, like nothing else in her routine changed. She started seeing this new lover and was applying these principles and it awakened her sexuality in such a way that this extra protection or whatever it was just dropped off of her. So I see stories like that all the time where weight isn't so much about calories, it's about protection or it's about unresolved issues that we've stored in our tissues, in our bodies. Mm. 100. I completely agree. And there's like a flow, you know, there's an energy flow that's happening where there's no stagnant energy. You know, you're releasing that stagnant energy. You're kind of coming at your body from a place of pleasure than um, like hate, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I agree, honey. What can people expect? Like if they're coming to you, like your programs, can you give us kind of a sneak sneak? peek at the programs in your product line. Yeah. So I have a series of online courses that I call salons and they're all housed in private member area on my website. And I have one for men, one for women, one for vaginas and one for couples. Mm -hmm. And so they're eight week online programs and they're all about this, like how to up level your sexual lives with your relationship with Mm -hmm. yourself and your relationship with your partner. And my view on the work that I do isn't like, oh, somebody's not having a good sex life. Let's try to change that. Like, of course, but I'm all about up-leveling. Like I said, I want women to be having cervical orgasms and ejaculate that hits the ceiling and a sex life that helps to help them lose weight. Or the man is a superstar marathon fucker. He can go for hours in bed. You know, like these things to me, everyone can grasp. And that's what I want to show people or that their sex life is a spiritual endeavor. This thing that like uplifts every other part of their lives. Mm. And then the product line, 
I recently came out with these dildos that I designed, this holy trinity to help women achieve vaginal orgasms. And I also created a series of crystal elixirs. So this is, they're like flower essences. They're vibration-based medicine. And these are things that I've either selected crystals that are meant to be excellent for certain qualities. Like there's a crystal called rhodochrosite that's meant to be the best healer for sexual abuse on the planet. So that's in there. There's a crystal called crokite that only is found in Tasmania in Australia. And that's meant to be the most passion fire starter crystal of any crystals. So these crystals can't be made into dildos Mm. or objects just because of the substance of them or the shape, the form of them. So I wanted to put them into elixirs that people could ingest orally. And if you're familiar with Dr. Emoto's work on water, like how we water takes vibration and imprints. And so the Mm. idea is to put those energetic vibrations into the water. And when we ingest the water, it helps to facilitate change in us. Mm. Love it, honey. Wow. That's so cool. Thank you for the work that you do. Yeah. The shop is called Anami Alchemia and then kimanami.com is my regular website. Yes. Ooh, can't wait to go shopping. I know. (laughs) We'll link that in the show notes too for you guys. Thank you so much for being so... Yeah, this is so cool. Yeah. I love it. I think our... Well, we have these conversations. We have a secret Facebook group and we have you know, conversations about like, it's a safe space for people to talk yeah. about things like this. So, yeah. but I think to go outside of the group too and have it be, you know, something that we can start having conversations with our partners, with our groups of friends and making it something that's not so taboo and something you talk about behind closed doors because everyone's experiencing some sort of maybe block in this area. So And don't be afraid to be the first person to talk about it. What I found, obviously I'm a sex coach and so people kind of expect it from me. But the more that you are the person to initiate that conversation, people are just dying to have these conversations. And so this is for anyone listening is like, just take the chance and initiate Mm. that topic, whether it's with your partner or your friends or whatever. People are just waiting to have that conversation and talk about these things. And so be the brave one and start the conversation. Beautiful. That's why we're here. Thanks so much. Um, All right. Well, thanks guys for listening. Mm -hmm. You um, can visit Kim's website and explore. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to visit one of those salons. I know. Come on over. (laughs) I want an elixir. (laughs) Um, Thanks for listening, rating and reviewing. We love you guys. Join our secret Facebook group. All the things. And we'll talk to you next week. Love Love you. Bye. Kimonami, everyone, give it up for the big O. I'm going in. I'm going inside and I'm going to find the big orgasm. Okay. My little project for the month of June declared. Um, thank you guys for listening. As always, I'm sure, sure we will be talking about this in the secret Facebook group. So come on in, join, uh, find us on Facebook, uh, search Secret Almost 30 Podcast Group. Um, and if you are in the group and if you are part of Almost 30 Nation and you listen to the podcast, you know that we have uh, launched. We are doing our Almost 30 Podcast tour. So we are headed to Toronto and Chicago first. You can go onto our website, almost30podcast.com, click on the tour tab. You can find all the information for all the cities, Chicago, Toronto, SF, Boston, New York, Austin, Dallas. And we will be adding some Pacific Northwest cities as well as possibly Miami. 
So we'll keep you up to date. We're just kind of slowly adding to that list of seven and really exciting Chicago and Toronto soul cycle rides that I will be teaching. Um, I will be teaching in Chicago and we will have a badass babe teaching in Toronto. Um, Those signups are live. So check out our website. You can find all of the information there linked. Um, And we just cannot wait to see you. If you have any questions, feel free to ask in the group or um, you can email us at um, almost30podcast at gmail.com. Sorry, I'm losing my voice, y'all. I'm just getting so excited. We love you so, so much. Thank you so much for rating and reviewing on iTunes. It means the world. We literally read them every day. Truly, we read them every day and it helps us to stay on the charts. We were number one in health the other day. We were number 21 on the overall charts. This is crazy and it's because of you guys. So please spread the word about what we're doing and we love you as always. Have a beautiful rest of your week.